everybody. It's Sean Mooney with Primetime Network Classics. Primetime with Sean Mooney. And uh, we've got another great one coming your way. This, an episode of WWF Superstars, as they called it then, uh, taking place, uh, airing on May 30th, 1992. Uh, Keep in mind here, this was actually taped uh, uh, more than a month before, actually on April 29th, 1992. And uh, if uh, you recall... When uh, we used to do TV tapings back in the day, they would uh, tape a number of episodes ahead, which was a more efficient way of doing production. They'd go to an arena, and these unsuspecting fans who had come to a house show would uh, first think it was the most awesome thing in the entire world because they happened to be at the arena when they were taping all of their favorite shows, Superstars of Wrestling, Wrestling Challenge, uh, matches for uh, primetime, uh, uh, you know, all these things, matches for Coliseum Video. And then after they'd been there like, uh, you know, 10 hours and they still hadn't seen Hulk Hogan, <laughs> they were ready to murder somebody because here they'd taken their kids out for the night. It's a school night. Maybe it's a Tuesday or uh, Monday night. And they're thinking, what the hell? Uh, when are we going to see Hulk Hogan? And maybe he wouldn't show up till about midnight because they had to keep that crowd there. And some folks would just say, you know what? Screw it. I'm out of here. Um, t- you know, the kids are falling asleep on the, on the chairs here. It's, uh, it's too much. And, and then they would have to get creative. They would have to, uh, Bob Collins, I think his name was, and he was the, one of the, um, marketing people. And he would literally have to go out into the crowds and go to these people and say, Hey, how'd you like to be closer to the ring? Come on down. And then they would put them on the, the camera side, you know, where they would, you know, be able to be in the shots and they would fill in these seats. So it still looked like a full house, but you know, after you do this, uh, that doesn't mean you can inject energy into this crowd, which was, you know, might be very late at night. And uh, this would have been the fourth hour of taping, uh, for, uh, you know, uh, for the shows, for for uh, wrestling, for WWF superstars. So as you're going to see, th- this is not your lively, liveliest of crowds for these matches. Um, before we get into it, though, I want to... Uh, first say, you know, I hope you're all well. I really, I hope everybody that, uh, you know, you and all your family and your friends are weathering this, uh, crisis that we're, we're, we're getting through right now involving the coronavirus and that you're looking out for each other and you're helping your neighbors and you're doing the best you can. And I hope that, uh, you know, you're in a field where, or, or you have a job where your employer is, helping to take care of you, or you're still able to work. Uh, I work in uh, the media. I'm uh, in news where uh, we're what we call essential, and I have to go to work every day, which is fortunate because I still will be paid. But I know there are millions of Americans out there that are suffering right now because they work jobs where they're dependent on tips and uh, getting paid by somebody who might own a small business, and that uh, business owner is struggling now because he can't conduct business. And it is just so, so, so important uh, that, uh, you know, that we, we all uh, hang together on this, uh, try and be patient, try and uh, be courteous, be civil to everybody around you. They're all dealing with it. Um, frequent your local businesses if you can. If they've, if they've got a business, you know, order takeout because they need to keep this business going. That means they can keep employees there on site and uh, help serve people. Uh, also if it's not a, a food uh, based business, but, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, has other services, 
uh, go and buy a gift card from them. People that you know you're going to be doing business with, well, they could use that money right now. And uh, you can use that gift card later. And uh, there's other ways you can help as well. But uh, please, uh, there's a big, big need for blood. Uh, they're telling us that, uh, you know, they're making these uh, uh, draw centers, that uh, they're making them very safe. They wouldn't put people in harm's way. If you can do it, please give blood. But overall, man, just take care of each other. I hope everybody's doing well. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of hours. Uh, people are home now. So I'm hoping that we can uh, help entertain you somewhat, that you uh, fit us into uh, your binge watching or whatever you might be doing. Uh, if you're uh, out in a, uh, you know, out and about in your car, uh, you know, that you can listen. But uh, anything we can do, I hope to uh, help pass the time and maybe entertain you a little bit. I, am, uh, I, I certainly hope we can do. Uh, and I want to thank you. Thank you for listening because uh, it helps uh, spread the word. More people listen, listen the more we're able to uh, do more with the content. So I want to thank you and uh, take care. Anyway, uh, let's get back to this episode. Um, I just did a live uh, Facebook Live this weekend. And uh, one of the uh, uh, ladies that came on, uh, you know, with the question and answer, and she brought up the fact that she had watched a, a wrestling challenge show or and said that there was, you know, eight matches in it. And uh, I just had to laugh because, you know, where where could you go unless you're at a house show, but within you know, 45 minutes, because you got to count all that commercial time. Uh, when in the world could you fit eight wrestling matches in? Well, uh, as I have explained many times, these these uh, shows were pretty much promotional tools. That's a nice way to put it. They're a big, giant commercial for the WWF and a way for them to push their superstars and a way for them to push their merchandise, a way for them to push the magazine, a way for them to push pay-per-views. And uh, also, uh, you know, uh, push IcoPro. Remember IcoPro? Where Vince had ventured into the world of bodybuilding, was going to change it. He was going to turn it upside down and uh, make zillions of dollars on, um, on supplements, which, uh, you know, that's how uh, Joe Weider, who was the king of uh, bodybuilding and the magazines and the shows, that's how he made uh, his fortune. And so Vince thought he could do it better by giving all of these superstars that he brought on uh, the WBF superstars and giving them gimmicks and uh, you know having them go out there and do pose downs and everything and it, it just was a big disaster but we are in the thick of it uh, in 92 uh, Vince trying to put uh, IcoPro over so you're going to hear many references in this show uh, regarding IcoPro and uh, uh, this big uh, event that was coming up that uh you know that, that that vince is pushing so you're gonna you, sorry you're gonna have to put up with that because there, there was like a, a personal fitness and nutrition expo that uh you know ico pro was going to be a big part of they have a gigantic had a gigantic booth and they had all these appearances and they would actually bring in you know the wrestling superstars because they knew that would draw attention to it and as you can imagine the wrestlers loathed the whole wbf uh situation because for a, a, a number of reasons but uh, mainly because Vince was paying these bodybuilders and co under contract and and big uh, multi thousand dollar contracts that these guys and basically they were being paid to you know go to their gym or you know wherever they worked out and and then every once in a while they'd have them come and do uh, some kind of a, a exhibition to you know to pose or whatever it was, even taking them to house shows. And there were a few incidents that were pretty ugly with these guys showing up there and uh, the, the wrestlers uh, not being happy about it and letting it be known. 
so that is, uh, we're going to hear a bunch of mentions about Icopro as he continues to push this, but um, it was doomed. And I think people thought he was, it was doomed from the start, but uh, we're going to see that. Uh, but you're going to see a lot of superstars in this episode. Uh, this actually takes place from the War Memorial in Syracuse, Syracuse New York. And uh, we still have, we've got Vince and Mr. Perfect uh, doing the commentary here. Uh, this was that period of time when Mr. Perfect was making that transition from the ring. And uh, there was a, a big dispute over he had a Lloyd's of London insurance policy that he was trying to collect on because he did have some legit injuries. But uh, as always, um, you know, these guys can't stay out of the ring. And Mr. Perfect was, uh, was one of those people. But at this point in time, he was, you know, doing things like the commentary and he was an advisor to Ric Flair, and he was involved with Bobby Heenan and all that. So uh, he, in this episode, is still doing uh, commentary, and he's with Vince. Um, I do want to mention, and I do want to thank uh, the, the great work of the blogofdoom.com website. These are the guys that put together these notes that we uh, rely on, and, and I get a lot of information. And, of course, my own recollections uh, coming into play here. But... Um, you're going to see the Legion of Doom, of course, uh, the Road Warriors, uh, Hawk and Animal. And uh, they're, they're accompanied by Paul Ellering, who, uh, you know, would serve as their manager. And uh, close friends with, uh, with those guys, you know, with uh, Joe and, and Mike. Which reminds me that this week, uh, I have a great interview coming up on Primetime with Sean Mooney. And we're actually going to be dropping it early so that everybody can catch this before the Dark Side of the Ring debuts. And uh, did an interview once again. We had them uh, around when they first did the season of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, the the, the first season, with uh, the director Jason Eisner and producer Evan Husney, who did ten episodes, guys, of this uh, second season of Dark Side of the Ring. And boy, do they have some great stories! And and one of them is uh, uh, the Legion of Doom Road Warriors. And uh, Jason uh, Husney, who told me that, you know, they did an interview with Paul Ellering and that it was just really, really emotional and how he reacted when when Hawk, uh, Mike Hegstrand, uh, passed away. And it is just one of the great uh, parts of the series that's coming up and it debuts uh, Tuesday, uh, uh, March 24th. So I don't know when you're listening to this and maybe you saw the first episode that they released on YouTube, part one of the Chris Benoit story. It is a fantastic series. Um, I, I get nothing from that. You know, there's no benefit for me to say that. I'm just saying that it is, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, if you love professional wrestling and you loved the 80s and 90s, uh, man, you've you got to see it. And, and if you're wrestling, like I said, Chris Benoit is a more recent story within, you know, in the 2000s. But really, um, catch it. If you, can, if you get Vice TV, uh, catch it. It's worth it. Um, anyway, getting back to what we're going to be seeing here uh, in this uh, episode of Superstars, they, you know, they've got a ton of matches. <laughs> it's just they jam them in uh, for whatever they're worth. But, uh, you know, they, 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 this is what they did. It was a, it was a, a promotional tool, as I said. And, um, you know, it's, it, that's how, how it works. They, they would put these guys into the ring. Uh, just to show them off, just to show the the uh, you know the people that uh, they want to push put over the superstars that they have. So you're going to see uh, a fantastic lineup here of uh, of, of superstars, and um, 
you know, you're going to love this one. This has got, uh, uh, you know, besides all the Ico Pro mentions, they do they do manage to uh, get in some some superstars. <laughs> As I mentioned, the Legion of Doom is part of this episode with Paul Ellering at ringside. As they take on Cato and Rick, Rick Mitchell, remember Cato, uh, Brian uh, Breiger versus uh, Papa Shango. Uh, Papa Shango, if you've been following along as we go through these superstar episodes, they're really pushing Papa Shango. You know the the the, the uh, voodoo uh, master here, who's uh, you know uh, got this thing going. I think he still might. I don't know where he catches, but remember he had the Ultimate Warrior as he put the curse on him and. You got the warrior having, you know, doubling over and writhing in pain with after he got a hold of one of his armbands, and wristband or whatever. And then uh, he's doing an interview with with the gene, and you know, black ooze starts going over his head. <laughs> so uh, they're going to get Papa Shango out there. That's going to be a real quick match. Um, and then Sergeant Slaughter is is uh, still very active at this point. He faces uh, Bob Bradley and uh, Rick Martell is uh goes up against jim powers now you know that's going to be a good match but it's not long so you know what's going on in that situation jim powers gets the call to uh, take the dive on that one uh the natural disasters uh you, you you've got uh you know fred ottman and john tenta coming out uh earthquake and uh, typhoon are, are going to be a part of this one as they take on dwayne gill uh from the uh hall of fame of uh, enhancement talent and Mike Fury, the big boss man, making an appearance in this show. And he's involved in a, a really, really quick match. It goes by very fast, but there's a reason behind it. You know, he's got uh, this upcoming uh, feud with the convict who's on the loose, uh, someone that the big boss man had done wrong, and now this guy is out to get him. And he gets him in this episode. So we're going to be pushing that angle big time. Uh, also, we've got uh, the Berserker, the Berserker. Um, you know, uh, he's doing what he does, the Berserker. Uh, not quite sure what the hell's going on with him because they've got, you know, pretty much just... They use that, that match just to push more stuff on Ico Pro and uh, the big boss man. and uh, So they just wanted to get the Berserker out there, I guess. Uh, anyway, so that there you have it. That's uh, that's the lineup, and of course we're going to jam other all kinds of other promotions in here uh, when <laughs> they do it. So uh, that's that's going to be this episode. So I, I hope you're ready to go. If you're not, let's do it together. Let's say okay, you go to the WWE Network. You know how to do that. Then you're going to go to In Ring, right? In Ring, and uh, then you're going to just scroll down, and you're going to go down to. Uh, WWE Classic Series. WWE Classic Series. And I think it's the second one in. Just click on Superstars, right? And then you're going to go, it says Most Recent. Well, they only have one season, so you don't even have to click on that. And just find May 30th, 1992. Just scroll down. Let's see how many it is. One, two, three, four, five, at least on my computer. Uh, six, like six rows down. Then we've got May 30th, 1992. You see a little icon, uh, Papa Shango with, you can see his entire hat, not the one next to, next to that one, which is uh, like a close up of him, but uh, you're going to go, you're going to go there. All right. And then you, uh, you click on that one and uh, we'll start rolling, but uh, maybe some of you aren't queued up yet. So we're going to take a quick pause here. And when we come back, 
then we will roll this Superstars uh, episode, WWF Superstars, from May 30th, 1992. Okay, I assume uh, that you're all queued up and ready to go. Otherwise, you would not have pressed play again, and it is time to roll. So uh, let's get to this one, Uh, this episode of WWF Superstars. One of my favorites, so they jammed this one full. And hey, guess what? You're going to learn about IcoPro. Alrighty, so uh, let's roll it and all that fantastic, colorful animation. Three, two, one, play. Oh, we're getting them all. Paul Ellering in there, Shango, Piper, Hart, Undertaker, Hulkster, Brett. Name them all, right? You can do there. Owen was in there. Typhoon. Oh, Tatanka. Boss Man. Owen. Okay, this is where they used to put all of them in there. Everybody's in there. Nasties. Ultimate Warrior. Randy Savage. Ric Flair is still with the WWF. Here we go. Just in time. Dairy Month. What the heck? From Syracuse, New York. Are they really there? No. And Vince, he loved that light powder blue suit. He really did. He did. So we still got the Shango uh, angle going. Yeah, Mr. Perfect. A double-breasted suit. Wow. All right, Papa Shango is going to be coming up, you think? Do you th- I think they overpunned these perfect intros. Don't you think? It's like a little too much. Utter discussion. I don't know. Maybe you guys like that, but that's a little much. A little much. Legion of Doom. As Vince gives us the lineup, there's Shango. Yeah, and the boss man, oh, he's got trouble brewing. Typhoon. Did you know that that Fred had to dye his hair like a lot? Because he said, you know, he was prematurely gray. And uh, so he had to to constantly dye his hair so he didn't have roots because he had that long hair going. As we see, LOD, Legion of Doom, accompanied by Paul Ellering. And uh, I'm going to keep mentioning the dark side of the ring because I I just got some really cool insight uh, from Evan Husney, who's the producer, talking about. He said, you know, how they got the the pads that uh, literally um, Joe Laurinaitis was in his garage with a set of uh, of football pads and got this idea for the spikes and basically just poked some holes in it. I don't know how he and then like jammed these spikes into it. <laughs> And he says, no, we, we made it a bigger production, a much bigger production when we did it in the uh, 
in that episode with the Legion of Doom, or I should say Road Warriors, everybody knows those Road Warriors. But uh, he says, you know, they made it look like every, you know, it was this big giant production. And here Joe says, nah, I just was in the garage and I started, just put some holes in some shoulder pads and jammed some spikes in there. And there we went. Super power slam. Whoa. These guys were just off the charts, though. You know, there was no one else like them. They they set a completely new standard for tag teams because they were just so ridiculously uh, jacked. As you hear Vince, you know, look at he's, look at look at how strong he just sends him in over the second rope, and that guy, you know, he's going well over two hundred plus. Big clothesline finally sends Cato, and then the clothesline by Joe. But look how massive they are. And then here you got Vince, you know, plugging Ico Pro like that's what's responsible for their size. <laughs> As they try and continue to sell this lame angle with the Beverly Brothers, with the genius, because they're they're sissies that they wear shoulder pads with spikes. Okay, boy, and uh, this matchup featuring, as we talked about, that there was uh, Cato, and then uh, this guy Rich Mitchell. And they would get these guys, you know, up, and, and basically they told them, look, you can do this the easy way or the hard way. You can fight it, and you'll probably hurt yourself, or just get up there and take the ride. We'll, we'll do it for you. And that's what he did. You know, that clothesline would naturally flip you, and you would land right on your gut, basically, and you'd be okay. Some guys didn't get it, really, and they would stiffen up and just get the living daylights knocked out of them. And there's Paul Ellering. As we go to the update now with Mean Gene Okerlund. There he is, Gene Okerlund. Oh, there we go. I told you we're going to be, we are heavy. We are so heavy into pushing the WBF at this point. And there you go. Gene, I know I keep saying it. He's just so good. The hold, yes. As we uh, now we're into that ultimate uh, warrior, Shango, Papa Shango. The curse, if you will. Oh boy. And they, you know. They would go all out on these vignettes. They really did. And, and um, oh boy, that thing catches up. He's like, whoops, that wasn't supposed to happen so fast. But they did. You know, these productions were pretty elaborate that they uh, that did back then. They were good, most of them. Unless it was uh, one of crushes, but that was just an epic fail on that on their part to do that. They They should have come up with something better for him, but they didn't. And you're going to see that. That's coming up. They're going to have uh, the lame car crush uh, vignette they did with them. And now we're looking two weeks ago. Remember this? Uh, the warrior. And he's, uh, he's in a trance here. And he's going to send all kinds of nasty vibes to the ultimate warrior. Who's not uh, believing any of this. There's no way he can do anything to me. Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, you're about to find out. 
And he sends it. Big vibe. And oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, 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 oh. Is it going to happen? Oh, there it is. Shot to the ribs. And down go down the Warriors down. The Warriors down in writhing pain. And now it's uh, Mr. Perfect's job to try and sell this thing. <laughs> I love this one because I love seeing the guys who come out from the back. I, I, remember I, I was telling you that uh, a lot of the guys that uh, were uh, stars prior to the huge, massive escalation of the, the WWF and the world of entertainment, uh, you had people like uh, Chief Jay Strongbow, who was with the company for a long time uh, backstage. There's J.J. Dillon, who's there as well. Who else we got outside of the uh, from backstage area who's come out to help in this horrific situation? See, there's there's Chief. Oh, gee, gut wrenching. <laughs> or was it indigestion, as Gene says? <laughs> yes, yeah, something ominous. Uh oh. Hang on. This is uh, this is when you're spitting uh, when he's spitting all over everybody. Uh, I told you that that poor guy that was playing the doctor, uh, who ended up having to take the brunt of this, gets to get all gets uh, gets all over him. That's just fantastic. Oh God. Ugh. Yeah, unbelievable exactly that they actually pulled that off, but it was very realistic. Yeah, maybe it was just a... Oh. Speaking of, right? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Well, Gene's saying there's something there because remember this? The voodoo you do. Oh, really? Oh, really? Start, start start using that pump that you got in your pocket. That's why you're wearing a jacket, Mr. Warrior. There you go. Wait, what, what, what's going on? That's, isn't that, uh, it's like a quart of oil. That's a Valvoline. Oh, boy. What, what? Oh, uh, you can't. He's up. So, what is going on here? I better go check my car. Huh. Oh. <laughs> if you want somebody to sell this, who else would you want better? Gene Oakland putting it over, boy. Uh, I was right there. He was there. Yep. Better watch it, Gene. He'll be after you. Voodoo sorcerer. Wow. Fade to black. (laughs) All right, what's up next on here? We got, uh, who do you think? Papa Shango. What do they have to pay Brian Bragger to go out there? He doesn't want to be cursed. Yeah. Will he even step into the ring? This is a good gimmick, though, don't you think? I, I liked it. 
And it scared the crap out of kids, man. They were scared to death of this guy. I'm surprised they don't show more shots of the kids in the crowd because they legit were freaked out by this guy. Really. They did. They were just, and especially with all the smoke and stuff. Yeah. Very impressive. No question. Didn't get to see him do too much of the ring, but boy, the, uh, the, the, the angle was working, though. I'll tell you that. I don't know. I would, uh, you know, that looks like one of those um, space blankets that they made part of his cape out of. See, look at Yeah, there's a kid like, holy shit. Nice camera angle. Setting this thing up. Ooh. Yeah. Papa Shango, boy. Mm. Yeah, it's spooky, isn't it? Uh, going into a trance. Wow. I'd like to be the guy on the other side of the ring. Ooh. I guess he was uh, expending too much energy. Uh-oh. What happened? What the? Somebody's boots? That's what you call a hot foot. All right, better put those boots out. Yeah, put some fire retardant on those feet, guys. Come on. <laughs> I got to hand it to uh, to his opponent here, uh, Brian Bragger, man, who didn't even twitch, but... Ooh. Well, that's spooky. So I guess he did get cursed after all. I hope those weren't his own boots. I got him a new pair. He's going to need them. It's like marshmallows by a campfire now. Ooh. No, but on this, but seriously, this I thought this was a pretty cool angle. I I I, I liked it. You know. Maybe I uh, maybe I was alone in that, but uh, it was kind of cool. Something different. It was very different. Uh oh. Event center. Oh, I'm very busy. I'm very busy, folks. Uh, but I will take time to tell you about a great match. There we go. Wow. I must just gotten a haircut. Look, I don't think I have the uh, mullet going. Hmm. Oh boy. Tatanka. Remember all those backgrounds? Everybody had their own background. It was all green screens, which was ahead of its time then. Nobody else was doing this stuff. Everybody else caught on, though, in a hurry. But uh, back then, any piece of equipment that the WWF needed, Vince got it. There was no, no problem. 
Mr. Tonka, man, looking good. And he took his uh, this character very seriously. He, he felt he was doing his part to um, to represent Native Americans across the world. All right, and right, of course, right in the United States. But he did. He he really took that very, uh, you know, very seriously, and uh, wanted to do it the right way. Didn't want it to become something people would mock in any way. And uh, he did a great job. Oh boy, Repo Man, Barry Darso, great worker, not so great gimmick, but he took everything. Everything they gave him, he would just uh, he'd make it work somehow, and he did whatever he could with this thing. And I told you, remember, I've said before that uh, you know doing promos are tough; they really are. It's 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 tough uh, even when you when you have a storyline, but it's even tougher when they're generics. Whereas you say you don't, you're not selling, you're not. I mean, you're selling, but you're not uh, selling an angle here. You're not. If you got somebody else to talk about, that's a lot easier than just put your guy over, put your character over. So, you know, some of them were good at it, some of them weren't that good at it. But all right, thank you, Mister Mooney. As uh, you get to see one installment of the Superstars, the generic uh, version. By now, you guys are very savvy that uh, the rest of the country, if they had an, uh, an event coming their way, they would, they would get their own personalized event center that you would see three times during an episode of Superstars and also uh, also the um, an episode of Wrestling Challenge. As we move on here now, and this is a chance to uh, for Mr. Bob Bradley to show uh, what he can do against Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, what do you think we're going to be talking about this episode? Because uh, Sarge doesn't have a whole lot going on. Sarge was not your, uh, your, you know, he was a certainly strong and mighty guy, but he was not what you'd call a cut superstar. He didn't uh, have the chiseled pecs. But, you know, it's not going to give Vince a chance here to, to continue to just talk about IcoPro, which we will. And uh, the... Personal Fitness and Nutrition Expo. And uh, Bob Bradley going to have to come under the command of Sergeant Slaughter. That's Personal Fitness and Nutrition Expo. Lock it up. And, and remember I said that they had personal appearances for these guys, uh, even though it didn't have anything to do with bodybuilding, but I guess they knew that these guys were, you know, about fitness. They had to stay in shape for the most part. And so this is match, I think, is a minute 44, they say here. And I think Vince is going to spend most of the time talking about <laughs> Ico Pro. And it's uh, great benefits. And we're going to get a promo in here coming up. The slaughter just filling time here. I don't remember who he was working with at the time, but he was 
Still out there doing a lot as the Sarge drops a big elbow across the throat of Bob Bradley. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah, we got the Mountie. That's what it was. I knew it was something going on with the we, we, uniforms. It was the, kind of the uniform theme as the Mountie with his shock stick. And we got the chance to put in another one of those sound effects. Locking it in. As we wrap this one up in a hurry, as I said, I think it's a minute 44 match. And what a natural, what a very natural transition. Sergeant Slaughter, yep, comes out on top. And here's our chance to get a WBF. Oh, yeah. There he is, Gary Stridham. He was quite a specimen, man. See, remember the Flexing Dutchman? They all Vince gave them all gimmick names, hoping that that would work. And when they did that pay-per-view, which was an, a disaster, I was there, and they had them all in costumes. Like one guy was a, with Batman, and oh, God, it was just... Just so cringeworthy every second of it. And it was, I think, I'd like to know. I know at one point it was, it stood the test of time as the worst buy rate ever for a pay-per-view. As Rick Martell, very colorful Rick Martell, steps into the ring. And, you know, this is going to be a decent matchup. Jim Powers was a superstar in his own right. And uh, was very, very good in the ring, man. He could do a lot of uh, high-flying moves. And Martel, of course, uh, one of the best workers in the in the WWF at the time. Very good. Looked great. So uh, we're going to see a little matchup here between the model and Rick Martel. And, uh, you know, as I said uh, before that, it wasn't a lot of times they would try and get in a match that at least had names that people recognize and and not just what many really referred to at the time as jobbers and Martel showing off and they they got this angle going remember with Tatanka where he still he stole his uh very sacred feathers from his headdress and he just pinned him to the side of this beret with his cologne. Martel. You know, in this match, he doesn't get to show off much what he can do. But they're allowing uh, Powers, you know, to get some real offense going. Big arm drag. Martel upset. You know, that uh, he's on the other losing end at this point of this matchup, really. Powers was uh, quite a specimen a specimen himself, uh, really. He was somebody who uh, stayed in great shape. Ducks that arm there, goes in for a wrap-up there as he rolls up uh, Martel. Uh, and now we get to turn it a little bit as uh, Martel. Powers on the reverse, comes up short on the leg drop. I mean, the drop kick, I should say. 
as he walks over, puts in the crab here. Are they really going to? Oh, come on. Oh, that was, that's the way you end it. Submission. Yeah, that that uh, won't go down as one of his favorites. As he keeps spraying the feathers. Uh, I tell in the close-up there as uh, he makes quick work of Jim Powers. I, it must have really... I don't think those guys, you know, minded uh, taking the job there. But at the same time, you know, at the same time, I don't know, uh, to do it that quickly didn't really help him. If, if they were having you do those matches, uh, you weren't really in the mix at that point. And uh, here we got uh, the generics going again, guys, from the event center. As we get a chance to see the nasty boys. Sags and Knobs and Jimmy. Everybody wants to go to Nastyville, right? Uh, this is one of those, you know, like I said, it was, the guys weren't ever really that excited about having to do these promos where you, you just had nothing to talk about. They were always the hardest. They were, because if you have an angle, then you got something to work with. But here you're just saying, you know, we, we take care of everybody gets on our path and, you know, and that was just in my experience watching them do them. Now, somebody might disagree with me who actually did those, some of them that were just so good. But I think overall they were tough. It was tough just to talk about nothing. And I was I felt the same way when I would do these bridges because I really didn't have anything to talk about. You know? Paul Paul Bearer and Undertaker, they leaned on him a lot here as Mark was still finding his way. It'd be, it was great to be that gimmick and be a man of few words. You didn't have to do all these like the, all the work of getting the promos done see saying <laughs> so it must now be punished just you know huh. ooh yeah hideous oh boy see they said to do two sentences and you're good as he uh, continued to develop, I mean, you know, get to the point where he could cut a good one, cut a good promo. Oh, man. Man, did you come up with that money? I think somebody else had that one. But I was not uh, opposed to stealing it, so as I would. On Coliseum Videos, Crunch Classic. Those things just took off. Roddy was the uh, host of that one because that's why I don't remember that one. They had Roddy do it. As we see, big as ever, the natural disasters. As uh, the natural disasters come out, tipping the scales together at... uh, Probably way over 800 pounds. Big boys. 
as uh, you know, Dwayne Gill and Mike Fury uh, make the huge mistake of thinking that hey, maybe if we go after these guys early, we'll be okay. We can get you know maybe get the uh, advantage here. But I would say that's probably a mistake, huh? As Typhoon sends Gill right out of the ring. Unfortunately, Mike Fury is stuck in there. And this is the angle they had going with the natural disasters facing IRS and Million Dollar Man. Money, Inc. Handle. Get it? All right. So, you know, that angle between them, I mean, what what was the point of these guys going at it, uh, you know, having the natural disasters face Money, Inc.? But, you know, got house shows to fill. We got uh, people they want to see them, and why not? We'll just put them together, see how it goes. (laughs) And in comes Fred. Oh, boy. Boy, he is uh, big here, isn't he? Squashes him in the corner. I have a feeling that old uh, Mike Fury is not going to last long. You know, and, and Fred, man, he he could uh, he was pretty agile. So was was John. I mean, Tenta was was also pretty agile in the ring, considering the girth that these guys both had. Uh, they moved around pretty well in that ring. And one of uh, Fred Ottman's great regrets is the fact that, uh, you know, the natural disasters didn't last that long. John's health began to decline, and uh, they weren't able to carry this on. And, uh, you know, Fred would continue on in the WWF, but uh, it was was kind of uh, sad that that's what happened. And goes, Gil, I don't know if that was a double clothesline or a double shoulder block there, but it didn't matter. And uh, Earthquake, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Oh, boy. I think you know what's coming. Off the ropes. Oh, man. Oh, boy, he's going to get a double one. He really did. That ring really did shake when those two were rolling around in there. That was... Uh, <laughs> they you, you felt it, man. That's uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of poundage in that ring. And, man, just coming down. Look how you know. And look how much height they get too, man. They could get up off off the off the uh, canvas there. As the big boss man is on the way in, he's going to face a guy named Dave Roulette, who's uh, going to gamble here. Yeah, there's the pun, and uh, lose. Did that surprise? Does that surprise you? And take a look at Dave Roulette. Now, what kind of a chance does he stand against the boss man? <laughs> and. Uh, this won't last long, but the uh, the follow-up on this, because remember, I, at the top of this, I mentioned he's got this angle going with the convict. 
and uh, that's gonna that's gonna happen here in a second. But uh, first, he's got to deal with Dave Roulette. And uh, remember, we got a lot to fill in this show. Uh, Forty-five minutes of show time, so they'll make this at least this part quick. And uh, Bossman Bubba, man, he was uh, he was one of my favorites because I thought he was really good. I love you know, like you said right there, one of his punches, he was great. A big elbow right to the schmaz. And Roulette's not going to get anything in this except uh, a big loss. Oh, man. Oh, big backbreaker. Just going to deliver it. Just a textbook here. And yeah, he seems a little worried, Vince says. I liked his punches, though. I mean, that was great. A little uppercut. Yeah, and he's uh, yeah, he's nervous. Why is he nervous? Because the convict is uh, he's heard he's out. Oh boy, there's a big uh, sidewalk slam there. And Timmy White counts it out. He's done. But the boss man's got other things on his mind. Not uh, way beyond Dave Roulette as he punishes him. He slaps and look here he is. There he is, Nails. Comes in from behind, and whammo! He's got the nightstick. Slamming away, giving it uh, giving it to him. Has he done him wrong? It, it is uh, unfortunate what happened with Nails, because I think that he would have been uh, very popular, could have had a good long run in the uh, WWF. A big knee right to the the jaw of the boss man. Another one. And, and big knees. You see how he does that, man? That's a, that's a great move there. Oh, he's got a pair of handcuffs. Uh, there was, uh, and it says that in the notes, but I remember hearing the same thing, that they put lifts in uh, in, in his boots, Uh to make him taller because they wanted him to, to seem massive, especially going up against somebody like Boss Man. He was, he was pretty damn big. And uh, he's got Boss Man and, and Perfect Selling It here says that he just broke his leg. He just slammed that uh, nightstick into his knee as he's trying to get back on his feet. Now he's handcuffed to that top row and another one, another shot to the knee. And uh, some good sound effects there. Gets kicked in the back. And this is, you got, you know, it was uh, Kevin Kelly, who it says here in the notes, you know, was a former AWA wrestler. Uh, I didn't I didn't know where he came from prior to arriving in the WWF. But it says in here in the notes that uh, Wade Keller had reported that he was wearing uh, lifts in his boots, and, and it was uh you know difficult for him to move around in those i guess until he got used to them 
but it's just a you know a big squash here. He's just uh, beating the daylights out of the boss man, and he takes the handcuffs off of the boss man. Uh, at least from the top rope. And now uh, he's going to, oh, yeah, this is kind of, uh, you know, a rest mode. He's putting him with his handcuffs uh, behind the back. And they did do a big build, as uh, Vince mentions here. You know, we've been hearing for weeks. They did a lot to build this up, which I think was great because, uh, you know, that's what helped build this. A lot of people were very anxious to see what was going to happen with this. And he is just uh, just brutal, holding them up a nightstick across the throat, choking them out with it. Big oh man, there's a lot of revenge in that man. He's got some vengeance. Those are some good smacks. Spits on him. It kicks. Oh man, this is a hell of a this is a hell of a beatdown. Hell of a beatdown. <laughs> but if you look at the crowd now, look at the crowd. What are they like watching other things? And 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 this is a, remember I said at the top of the uh, when we started recording this that. This was late in the hour, you know, late uh, in the hours of this taping. So the, the crowd is, they, I'm sure they had to sweeten it because these people are exhausted at this point. They want to go home. And probably a lot of people had left. I'm telling you, these things would be, you know, seven, eight hours that by the time people had arrived at the arena till they actually end up having the main event. So it was an incredibly long night for the people that came to these. And they they would uh, enhance his voice to give it this deep. And you even hear him there say, how does it feel, boss man? As the, uh, you know, the suits in back try and come out and break it up. And he's just uh, continuing the onslaught here. What's going to stop the beating as he, uh, he keeps everybody away? There's Rene Goulet. Joey Morella. Uh, it's just amazing how many are gone when you look at these uh, these folks that come out to ringside. Tony Gurria is over there. You got the, the snot and he's doing all on his terms. And the people just clearing their <laughs> clearing a path for the guy. Boss man, just a heap. And he's going to need medical attention. Get the board. Finally. Got the gurney. Boss man completely. He's like slapping him. Well, that wasn't a good idea. Well, you can't. You got to get Mister Perfect credit. He's putting it over. Uh, boss man, just uh, beaten to a pulp. 
This is far from over now. So, so this was the debut of, they call him, you know, the convict, Nails. Boss man just doesn't even know where he is. He's just out of it. That's a trip to the hospital for sure. How could anybody take a beating like that? So finally, we got to see Nails. And uh, I really wish that that would have, uh, you know, that he would have spent some time in the WWF. I think he would have been very over. I really do. I think it would have been great for him. And we're going to get ready to wrap this show up, and we're going to do it with the Berserker. And, of course, his uh, manager, Mr. Fuji, at ringside, facing Glenn Ruth. So the big spot on this show, you'd have to say, was Boss Man and and the angle between uh, Nails, the convict. This berserker is going to destroy Glenn Ruth pretty quickly here. They'll give him a couple of minutes. Driving that knee into the chest, the furry boots. They must have been hot to wear those damn things. Drops a leg. So if you look out into the crowd there, see how it's really thinning out? And they used to, you know, uh, those crowds used to be pretty big. So that's what I said. This thing being uh, the fourth hour they taped. Remember I said this this episode air May 30th. They taped it on April 29th. So... Tying him up there in the ropes under the direction of Mr. Fuji. Big boot to the chest. Ruth ain't got much left in him. This ought to finish him off. Another boot. And they continue to to put over what happened with uh, Boss Man and Nails. And Mr. Perfect, very happy that uh, Boss Man got a little taste of his own medicine being brutalized. As uh, the convict uh, sought vengeance. And he gets, Ruth just gets dumped over the top rope. As the berserker is going to wrap this thing up. So it's going to be a count out. And uh, that's going to wrap up this match. But, you know, what better way to wrap this up than... A really bad promo. <laughs> it's going to be coming up here. Oh. oh, God, they just tried to push him. They, you know, they showed this thing a bunch of times, and I just don't know what somebody's saying. You know what? It's just not a good, it's not good. Oh, God. Yeah, well, we had to get in that third event center because we got to sell the house shows, folks. So let's get uh, Mooney to fill the generic here. I, I don't know what he was actually talking about that day. It would depend on what market you were in, remember? 
But uh, let's get to see Sarge. Oh, no. So they got the angle. Remember, going with the Mountie. So uh, if you're uh, somewhere somewhere in America, guess what? You're going to get to see Sarge and the Mountie. You knew it was coming. Well, the great, great time, wasn't it? In professional wrestling, I'm serious. That uh, you could go and see these guys, you know, at least every other month. Some of them were coming back into your town. And it was a lot of fun for people. As long as it wasn't a, a TV taping. You learn that. You know, you go to one, it was fun. But then after that, you're like, is it a TV taping? I'm not going. <laughs> can it, Mooney? Can it be? Huh. Not, uh, must have been really humid uh, that time of year because uh, the hair is a little wavy. And now we got Brett the Hitman. The excellence of execution, man. He had some uh, branding, you know, lines, you know. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. That, that stuck. People can still recite it to this day. Excellence of execution. So that was what it was about, man. Branding, branding, branding. And Hitman's ready. He's ready for anybody. There you go. Up, oh, there's a little Canadian slipping in there against a boot. All right, buddy, wrap it up. We got to get out of here. All right. Okay, got it. There we go. Right after this. All right, let's take it home. Vince, let's hear it. All right, who are we going to see? Ooh. Mm-hmm. No telling what's going to happen, right? You never knew. As that angle between the warrior and Papa Shango. Hitman's going to be there, so you get to see him. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't say at the very end here, we'll have an update on the boss man's condition, and we're going to shove Ico Pro down your throat a little more because it's, uh, it's not working. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Serving a hard time. All right, there you go. There's an episode of Superstars uh, again in the can. And I hope you enjoyed that one. It's kind of fun to go back and look at these uh, WWF superstars. And I've had many people tell me, you know, when I when I watch these, it uh, takes me back to me being in my living room in my pajamas on a Saturday, uh, you know, because that's when they saw it because they would uh, syndicate these all over the country and that's when they, they played it. And, uh, you know, uh, that's kind of cool. Because when it's that vivid a memory to you, and uh, you know, talking with uh, Jason Eisner and Evan Husney, the uh, you know the creators of Dark Side uh, of the Ring, and and they they talk, they were talking to me about you know they were just super fans growing up, and uh, he he had a really interesting point about how colors. I, th- I think it was um, Jason who was saying that uh, you know he's now a director and. Um, 
a lot of a lot of from watching back in those days, he said these colors that the guys would wear. You know, it's very vivid. Uh, you know, for instance, what, what what Macho Man would wear, or the Ultimate Warrior with all his orange and you know the different colors that he had with his bands. Um, that they're like this mental signaling to you. They just these colors stick out in your mind. He said, you know, for a while I couldn't figure out what it was, and then I'm like, no, that's like from wrestling. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's all these different triggers in people's minds from being a kid. And what uh, the WWF meant to them, and uh, particular superstars, and why they like them in particular, it's uh, it's really interesting to me that uh, why why they liked one certain guy. Other people are like, oh God, I don't like him. I mean, it's not it's it hasn't changed to this day, but back then those characters were just so vivid. You know what I mean? They were they really were, and uh, they were very distinct, and they were very unique. Uh, and, and people had their favorites. It wasn't just that you, you know, you, people always say you were a Hulk Hogan guy or a person or you were an ultimate warrior person. And, and all right, I get that. That may be true. Uh, but also, there were just so many others to choose from. And uh, the tag teams, God, they had as many tag teams as they had singles uh, in the WWF at one time, it seemed. And uh, you know, why a person would like a certain character for whatever reason. And, they, and it stuck with them. And so, uh, you know, years later, when they get to go to these, uh, these, uh, you know, there's a lot of these WrestleCons that are, you know, 80s themed. Uh, it must be really cool for someone to meet one of these guys that was basically a hero to them growing up. So uh, I hope that we get back to those shows soon because uh, I know how much people love them uh, as we all deal with what's happening right now. It's, it's, uh, it's, crazy to think that you are limited in where you can go and uh, who you can be with. Uh, I know we're all really, really concerned at this time, and we should be. Uh, it's legit. We really need to be diligent in this, and we need to uh, adhere to what they're telling us to do because uh, the less spread of this, the sooner it's going to be over. But I read an article today, and it scared the crap out of me because uh, it kind of gives the scientific facts on how easily this, this virus is transmitted. Uh, and it's just crazy how, uh, you know, you could be six degrees removed from a person who has it, and through uh, a certain amount of different events that take place, it could end up in your body. Uh, you know, that person is connected to somebody else, and that guy didn't wash his hands uh, after coughing into his hand and he touches this person and then that person has it on them and they go and they touch a doorknob and then that person behind them touches the doorknob. And I mean, it's just insane. So really uh, be diligent about it. Uh, be obsessive about it as far as with the wipes and the sanitizer and wash your hands. My hands are raw because I wash them so much, but I'm worried, you know, I'm gonna, I want to stay healthy. I want, I don't want to infect anybody else if I got it on me. So, uh, you know, I don't think you can go too far with it as far as, uh, you know, looking after yourself and other people around you. But uh, as always, we are an incredible country and we will get through this. And uh, I'm just glad that if you're listening, that uh, I'm helping you get through it uh, by, you know, listening to some of the content we're putting out. Uh, this is a Monday when this came out and uh, be sure and catch uh, the new original episode of Primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, it's a great one, and it uh, we're, we're putting it out early because the debut of The Dark Side of the Ring happens, uh, which would be tomorrow night, uh, is, as I'm speaking, on uh, Vice TV. 
the debut of the second season of uh, The Dark Side of the Ring. And boy, a great lineup. And uh, you're going to be able to see uh, and and learn a lot about these stories that uh, you had heard about. Uh, they really did a, a tremendous job as far as the research that they do. And they got uh, the people that were there that are talking about it. So don't miss that episode this week. It's uh it, it, it's an awesome one. We talked for almost two hours with uh, Jason Eisner and Evan Husney, uh, the director and the producer of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, as they uh, prepare to debut this brand new season of the Dark Side of the Ring. Um, also, uh, don't miss all the other stuff we're doing here. You can be sure and catch. Uh, we've got another Vault episode coming up on Saturday, and then, of course, Network uh, Classics come out on Monday, and another original episode coming up next week. But uh, catch this one. And as I said, we're putting it out early. Our Patreon members uh, get it even earlier and ad-free and all that. Um, would love to have you join us there. And uh, what we've done, and I should mention this, um, I've removed the tiers that we have. Uh, we had uh, Legion of Who and also um, the Moonies. And, uh, you know, folks, and I had to be honest and, and say, you know, with everything going on and uh, – uh, we just haven't been able to pay as much attention to, to doing uh, what we were doing with those tiers, and I don't want people paying me, uh, you know, paying the membership when we're not delivering everything that we want to. And so we've asked everybody to, uh, you know, stay with us, but, uh, you know, just uh, cut back to the four ninety four ninety nine because that way you'll be able to continue to get all of our content early and ad-free, absolutely, and just for four ninety nine a month. And, and when you do that, you're helping us a lot uh, keep things going and, uh, be able to, to continue to, to uh, put this all out there. If you listen uh, through Apple Podcasts, please do so and uh, give us a uh, uh, you know a rating. Give us a five star rating and a review. Would love that. And also subscribe. Don't forget that subscribe. But uh, that helps out uh, quite a bit too. And as I mentioned at the top of this, that uh, I'm, I'm trying to do a lot more video, so it's more visual too. Because if you got time, you can watch on um on our youtube channel or also through patreon uh, a lot of these because skype now has that video option and whenever i have a guest that uh, has skype i say okay hey, can we come on and do uh, the video version of this which is real easy it's just a click and that way you can actually see uh, the person i'm interviewing and it's a little different uh, you know uh, experience when you actually get to see their expression and everything but i know most of you like me i listen to most of my podcasts in the car or when i'm out and about walking the beast or whatever I'm doing. But um, again, I uh, just want to thank you. I really want to thank you for uh, hanging with us. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know how you're doing. Uh, you can uh, email me at uh, uh, at gmail.com. That's primetimemooney at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be a wrestling question. Just let me know how you're doing uh, and, uh, you know, and faring and uh, getting through all this. And if you got any questions for me, please fire away. I will answer. I promise I pay uh, close attention to that uh, email account. Uh, if I haven't uh, gotten to you, please send me another one. I don't know how I missed it, but uh, I will answer you back. But uh, please take care of yourselves. Uh, you know, do whatever you got to do to take care of your family. Be safe. Uh, help out uh, your your uh, loved ones and uh, check in on on uh, folks that may be in your neighborhood, maybe a little bit older or family members. It uh, doesn't mean go see them. That doesn't mean go see them. They don't, they don't need that contact, but there's a lot of things you can do. You can leave stuff in the doorstep. Uh, interesting stuff. I've learned a lot. You know, I've been uh, working with the media, 
and uh, you know, be careful about what you do bring into your home. A lot of they're you know, it's to the point now where they're they're saying, you know, don't bring uh, those boxes like Amazon boxes because a lot of people are ordering stuff online. Don't bring those boxes into your house. Take whatever you order out of the box, and then uh, whatever that box is inside. Uh, you know, uh, wash it, you know, like not wash it necessarily, but like get a wipe and just wipe the box really. Cause that stuff can stay on the coronavirus bacteria can uh, stay on these uh, boxes. They said for up to 24 hours and they're shipping this stuff out very quickly. So just protect yourself. You go out and you get food. If you get, uh, you know, some kind of uh, takeout, which is awesome. Please support your local businesses. They need your help to keep their employees working and also keep their business alive you know, support that by going to uh, takeout places and, um, you know, buy gift cards from them, uh, the lo- other local business businesses. But uh, a great point that I also heard made is that don't bring the containers that they serve you the food in even, you know, uh, be out in the garage, you know, you might have a workbench or something, take that food, uh, put it into containers from your house, uh, take those containers, put them in the trash, wipe, uh, you know, use wipes on your hand and then take, uh, you know, Take the containers, wipe them down a little bit, you know, in the hands, and then take them in your house. But don't uh, don't wear your shoes. They said they're recommending, you know, when you come in, uh, take your shoes off. Have another pair of shoes that you can wear in the house inside the door. Just a lot of little things, but you never know. It might make a huge difference. And all you can do, you know, to protect yourself, even if it seems like you're going overboard, why not? Uh, you know, better safe than uh, infected with this. Well, there you have it. And really, I, I do. I just want to thank you guys for uh, for continuing to be loyal listeners. And I'm thinking about you all. And please take care. And I've uh, got a lot more content coming up on the way. Uh, stay with us. In the meantime, thanks for listening. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am.